So good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Osho Brad, and I am one of the priests with the Dragonfly Sangha. Uh, and I wanted to continue our series of talks on the, the basic teachings of our community um, by talking about another one of the mindfulness models, uh, the transactional model, um, and, and how we can use that model to free ourselves from some of our conditioning uh, of the past that we oftentimes find ourselves sort of tied up by and, and may not even realize it. Uh, and before I do that, I wanted to revisit uh, something that I, I spoke about a few weeks ago. Uh, we were talking about our um, dependent origination, our conditioning. Uh, and I wanted to talk a bit about the, the skandhas again. So you'll remember that we, we talked about the skandhas uh, not only in the uh, traditional way of the five skandhas or heaps being kind of what we, we are made of, but also the stages of physical and psychological development uh, that form the ego self. And it can be tempting when you think about the skandhas to think, you know, that, that skandic blueprint, so to speak, uh, for the ego self as something that's happened and then is left behind. Uh, as opposed to something that is continually happening, right? Or something that we bring with us uh, uh, always into the present. Because we carry a lot of the things that have occurred in the past with us, right? Things that maybe uh, happened to us, experiences that we had when we were kids, or things we felt or experienced when we were, were children. Um, other things, you know, from our adult life, or perhaps one of the uh, uh, eruptions that we experienced as adults uh, later in life that we, we carry with us. And it informs our thinking, becomes a part of our conditioning. And as we have new experiences then, they run through that conditioning. And I like to, to use the image of conditioning as, as looking at life and experiencing life through a pane of glass. Right? And that pane of glass has uh, paint on it from all the different things that we experience. So all of our experiences then kind of frame and, and color and shape everything else that we're experiencing. So, you know, splashes of yellow paint, the, the happy moments that we, we had in the past. Thin blue lines of things that maybe made us sad. You know, green shapes of expectation and incitement or red jagged lines from anger right things that happened that made us upset in the past um, and all sorts of gray muddy shapes that we don't even remember where they came from or how they got there but they're a part of how we see the world and it's a part of our conditioning and all of these experiences all of these different colors and shapes mixed together and they make a kaleidoscope of experience that's unique to you and it can be very hard to parse out and say well you know I, I deal with these types of things because of this thing that happened in, in the past at some time uh, or you know other things because of these experiences sometimes we can do that and say well I had a bad experience here and so now when I have another experience with that thing I expect it's going to be tough right because of my my history 
but there's so much that happens that it just becomes this maze of squiggles right that forms this narrative as we move through the world and and we have these impressions of things uh, or even voices that sometimes kind of pop into our head that say all right this is good proceed this is scary you know use caution here and and that kind of that narrative those impressions happen so quickly and immediately it's just a mental pattern and we we conflate that with our identity um and it it's to the point where we just can't remember a time without it well this is just the way i see the world this is just my pane of glass as far as i know it's always been like that we consider the 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 view through that pane of glass as being objectively true and we just assume that's the way things are and sometimes things come into our lives that you know sort of elicit a a, a pretty sharp response we struggle a bit with things that we experience um you know for example uh last year uh as part of my my job i teach a lot of classes i run a lot of training um, and I had a class that I had to teach last year that I'd never run before on content that I wasn't uh, initially familiar with. And boy, <laughs> my, my head was filled with all sorts of thoughts. Um, you know, it, this had better go perfectly. I need, to, I need to nail this, right? If I mess up, it's because I'm just, I must be a bad instructor. Uh, I should have prepared more. You know, all sorts of thoughts were running through my head as I was getting ready for this class. Um, and look, sometimes those thoughts can come up because of a recent experience. Let's say I would have, if I taught a class the week before and really messed it up, then okay, I get that. I get that I would have those thoughts. Um, but a lot of times those sorts of voices and impressions that pop up from our conditioning are pointing to something much deeper, something that we're carrying with us for years and years and years sometimes back to childhood um, and maybe as I was describing that that you know anecdote of preparing for a thing and worrying that I was going to fail maybe you you heard a bit of yourself in that you've been in a similar situation um, or you, we just get hung up on things we hear these voices that say you're gonna screw up nobody likes you people can't be trusted right and all these little it's like bits of software that we've installed over the years um, that may have served us well at some point you know maybe we uh, uh, experience something you know and uh, uh, the notion around failure was well that's going to propel me to to try really hard and to aspire to greater things that fear of failure yeah I'm gonna strive for perfection because I want to do really well you know, and you can't necessarily say that's an awful thing, but it winds up becoming kind of menacing. And that drive for perfection and that fear of failure just afflicts us. And we hear it long enough, it starts to cause us to, to withdraw, you know, and now I'm afraid of trying new things because I might fail or to act out. I quit. Right. Um, or I'm never going to do that. You know, you get upset. And because of that, a lot of times these uh, these conditioned responses, uh, these voices, these impressions that we always are, are hearing can be unhealthy. And so we get hung up on things. 
And a lot of this stuff comes out of our past and it can be very hard to let go of because we're like, well, it keeps me safe. It keeps me from doing something stupid <laughs> or from, you know, regretting things. But then we get stuck in that loop. I'm afraid of a thing. I do it. Maybe it's fine. But then next time I have a thing again, I'm afraid of that thing again. And it feels like we have no choice. That this is just, well, I'm a, I'm a person who worries. I'm a person who is afraid of failure. I'm a person who has to try really, really hard or things are going to go badly. And that just becomes a loop. Um, but we have a choice in how we work with our conditioned thoughts. Um, but it does take awareness and it does take effort to work with that. And one of the mindfulness models that we have in our community to help work with this and to help develop awareness of our, of our conditioning is the transactional model, as we call it, or sometimes we refer to it as the parent-adult-child model, um, to talk about these different ego states or these different voices in our psyche that we carry with us. Uh, and, and will react to and, and live out of um, often with very little thought just because it feels so natural to us. Um, so again, looking back at, at the, the anecdote that I shared about preparing for a class. Um, and here's the thing, and I'm not saying this to be immodest, um, but I've gotten feedback that I teach well and that people enjoy my classes. And again, I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that because oftentimes our conditioned thoughts um, don't rely on evidence. You know, people can tell us that we do a great job, but we just refuse to believe it, right? Oftentimes our conditioning depends on fear um, and fantasy, things that aren't even true, things that we imagine to be true or worry might be true, right? And last year, as I was getting ready for this class, the, the voices were such doom and gloom <laughs> on repeat to the point where I started to panic. This had better go perfectly. If I mess up, it's because I stink at this. Should have prepared more, right? And like I said, in the, the transactional model, we recognize three ego states, the parent, the adult, and the child. And a lot of times the voice of the parent is either nurturing or critical. Uh, but a lot of times when we sort of notice the voice of the parent and it's afflicting us, it's because that voice is critical. And so that, that thought around it had better go perfectly or you should have prepared more, those are from the parent, those thoughts that I was having. Um, and now, when we talk about parents uh, or parent in, in this model, we're not referring to biological parents necessarily. It could be that some of the critical voices that we carry with us are from our biological parents, but we use the word parent to refer more to our conditioning, the skandhas, the stuff that we've inherited and brought with us. Um, and you know, for, for my part and, and what I was dealing with with this, with this class last year, my parents are very fortunate. They've always been very supportive. And so it was not the voice of my biological parents who was saying, oh, you're going to fail. <laughs> you know, you're going to mess up. It was a, a, a sentiment that I created, you know, where I was like, well, 
I need to push myself. I need to do awesome. I need to be perfect. And and that conditioning uh, uh, created that impression that, well, now here's a new thing coming along. Don't you mess up. So that archaic parental voice was really starting to uh, uh, affect me, make me nervous, right? And in response to that parental voice, the second ego state, the child, um, will be either natural or adapted. And the natural child is happy, well-adjusted, comfortable, but the reactive child, um, or the adapted child as we refer to it as, uh, is often hurt fearful, heavily reactive. And again, a lot of times when we notice the, the struggles with conditioning, um, that uh, uh, impression of the child is very reactive and fearful. So in the example I used, if you mess up, it's because you stink at this. That was the reactive child, right? So I had these two ego states just really messing with my head, making me start to panic and worry. Even though there was no evidence, there was no real reason for me to worry as much as I did. And we often experience and sense that interplay between the critical conditioning, the parent, and our childlike tendency to react um, by lashing out or withdrawing, like I said. Uh, and these voices become so natural and so ingrained in us that we just identify with them. Well, I'm hard on myself because I'm not good enough, so I need to try harder, right? And it just becomes a part of our identity. We just assume we have no choice over. This is just the way that I am. But the third ego state is the adult. And while the parent voice is often conditioned and stuck in the past, uh, or warning of some kind of unforeseen fantasized future and the child uh, is, is often reactive the adult is clear compassionate wise and in the present and the voice of the adult is the true self so in the example that I used around the, the class that I had coming up I was very nervous about the clear voice of the adult or the true self says you're going to be fine. Even if you mess up, you're still a 10 out of 10. It's okay. And part of the, the reason that we use this model is to recognize that we can kind of change who's in the driver's seat or the captain's chair. That was the, the example that we use in, in Free Your Mind. Because... When we let the, the, our conditioning, the voice of the parent, sit in the captain's chair, and we're led by that archaic voice and that, that scondic conditioning, oftentimes the voice is highly critical. The child then reacting to that critical voice is kind of crouching below the seat, the captain's chair, right? Scared or angry because of the constant tongue lashing that it's getting from the parent. And the adult may occasionally peek in and say, like, it's okay. But that archaic voice of the parent can be pretty overwhelming, right? And we've all felt that in some way, shape, or form. 
However, if we change who's in the, the captain's chair, if the adult or our true self, our Buddha nature, is in the driver's seat, that critical parental voice is kept in check and is not allowed to just blast out criticism all the time. And the child then, no longer needing to, to be in constant fear, reacting to the parental voice, is free, unfettered, and unburdened by conditioning. And this isn't to say that we're, we're expelling the parent, right? That we're getting rid of the parent altogether. Uh, because we can't expel our conditioning, right? We, we are all of that. And we need to integrate all of that, all of those experiences. And we can't pretend that things in the past never happened. But we can work to ensure that, that we're not controlled by our conditioning and not forcing ourselves to live uh, from a place of hurt or anger. So how do we do this? <laughs> Easier said than done, right? I want to share a, a, uh, a practice briefly uh, that can help with this. Um, to kind of get you started uh, and, and become more aware of how these different ego states may show up uh, for you in your life. Um, and it's a practice of, of meditation and observing and labeling. So as we meditate, uh, thoughts come into our heads, right? And perhaps we're counting our breaths or we're uh, chanting a mantra and we have these thoughts come in and we think ugh, you know I'm trying to meditate here <laughs> why am I having all these thoughts but don't chase the thoughts away accept every thought that comes in a lot of time these thoughts are part of our conditioning we need to accept them right even if we don't always love them we accept them as a part of who we are and we observe what we're thinking and label the thoughts as they arise. I'm having a sensation. I'm having a thought. I'm having an emotion. And as you do that and create that space, you begin to identify more with your awareness than with your thoughts. And so I'm angry becomes I'm feeling angry. And that's a big difference. Um, because we often identify with our thoughts, um, but we're more than that. We're more than just the conditioned thoughts that we're having. And as you become more comfortable with observing and labeling as thoughts arise, you may start to identify certain thoughts as the parent or the child or the adult. I'm so bad at meditating. If I practiced more, I'd be better at this, right? That first thought, I'm so bad at meditating, and it's a child, right? Child part of our ego. The second critical thought, if I practiced, I'd be better at this, is that critical parent, that archaic conditioned parent, right? The clear observation from the true self in this situation might be, I'm meditating, and I noticed that some thoughts arose. 
and practicing in this way, labeling, observing, uh, can help us start to notice, uh, uncover and notice some of the patterns of our ego self, of our conditioning. And by creating that space, we learn to not identify uh, with the kinds of critical or hurt thoughts that pop up in our minds and say, well, this is something that I, I need to continue to reflect on, I need to continue to work on. Uh, and there are additional practices um, outlined in, in Free Your Mind. I just wanted to offer a, a simple one uh, to start uh, to, to help you to think through those conditioned voices and to notice them, right, so you can work with them. Um, but in addition to, uh, uh, you know, reading Free Your Mind, I would invite you that, you know, if you want to uh, work with us um, or, or speak to someone, you know, reach out to us. Uh, we'd be happy to, to uh, uh, talk with you more about some of these practices. So as always, I hope that you found these words helpful. Um, and if you do want to learn more about uh, the Dragonfly Sangha, uh, become involved in, in our community, or like I said, speak to someone. Um, you can visit our website at AskSenseiTony.com or DragonflySaga.com. Um, and everything that, that Osho Mike and I have been sharing, uh, you can find in the book that I, I mentioned a few times, Free Your Mind, um, by Sensei Tony. Um, so thank you, as always, for spending some time with us uh, this evening. And I hope that you all have a, uh, an excellent week. Thank you.